Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. It's more than just a podcast. It's a source of insights to keep you tapped into all things data-driven so that you can be the most informed technical expert in the virtual room. Listen in weekly to stay educated on the latest trends in backup, recovery, storage, cloud, and security. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and on this episode of Data Protection Gumbo, I have a conversation with Charles Adams, backup and recovery administrator at Florida Blue. And Charles has been a backup admin for more than 10 years now, and he's also super active within the VMware vExpert community. So in this episode, we discuss some of the best skill sets for backup administrators today and some cloud certifications and also some of the advancements that are happening in the backup and technology industry over the last decade or so. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Charles. How are you today? I'm doing all right. How about you? I am doing very well, and I am also excited to have you on the podcast. Why don't you just start off by giving the listeners a brief overview of yourself and your experience? Uh, as I said, uh, my name's Charles. I have a uh, background in uh, backup recovery primarily with uh, uh, dabbling in virtualization and storage. I've been performing in the backup realm for approximately 15 years, give or take. And I'm also a VMware certified and uh, have uh, recently been uh, Commvault certified as a uh, expert. Okay, awesome. We won't hold the, the Commvault certification against you because uh, there's a, a lot of other... Uh, individuals out there that love and rave about all the other different backup and recovery softwares, but good skill set to have, though, Charles. Not a problem. Yeah, it, uh, everybody will find a tool that they like, and that's what they're going to uh, work with. I had an opportunity to get certified for Commvault and took it, but uh, it is not the only uh, backup per- uh, solution in my wheelhouse either. Yeah, and and you said that you are VMware certified. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, I've uh, Originally started uh, with the uh, VCP4 and have maintained it all the way up through uh, current. Okay. And you know what? That is a fantastic skill set to have nowadays. And uh, just to have, you know, full command and control over, you know, the virtual environment because they are still hot today. Um, what, what is one thing that, that you would say is the, the best skill set for a backup and recovery administrator should have today? Besides knowing your uh, your backup solution, I think the uh, next best uh, skill set uh, would be being familiar with both uh, virtualization and uh, operating systems. I think if you are familiar with what you're dealing with, then you're going to be a lot more in tune and adept at making sure that you're able to uh, protect and recover that data properly. Okay, so making sure that you're able to protect that data properly and having uh, kind of a, a broader skill set. Uh, so, so you're saying that they should also have a broader skill set above and beyond just, you know, knowing like VMware and being certified from VMware, but also having other skill sets like in the cloud as well? 
Absolutely, and I, I believe that if you if your uh, solution is going to end up uh, interoperating with a product, it helps to have a fundamental understanding of how that product operates. It just makes it easier for you to come to the table with the uh, correct, uh, knowing the correct questions to ask, and uh, being able to give the uh, correct answers when asked how something is going to be performed. Got it. And so you've been a backup and recovery administrator for some time now, so you you've seen quite a bit and. How has backup and recovery changed since since you started? The biggest part of it has been the advancement in the, in the uh, technology that we're operating with. So originally, uh, when I was starting this, uh, you primarily used disks as a staging for uh, backing up the data quickly off of your production tier one data, getting it uh, staged so that you could offload it to some sort of a secondary medium like tape. Since then, uh, the biggest advancements I've seen have been that you're getting additional um, dedupe functionality and you're keeping more and more data on nearline storage available for rapid recovery and uh, that's even expanded into uh, cloud both uh, to backup and to uh, backup to a cloud solution. Okay, and you, you mentioned a word that takes me back. You said dedupe. Now explain what that word is to, to our audience because some people may not know what that word means since we are, you know, kind of in, we're in 2022 now and dedupe kind of came around um, several, several years ago and it may not be as, uh, as prevalent with the listening audience. So the uh, simplest form of deduplication is, is taking data that is ingested from whatever client you're using breaking it up into small blocks of, of various different sizes. You could either have a, variable or a uh, static length uh, block size, then you would take uh, one or more hashing algorithms, fingerprint that block, and then you would only store a single instance of of that block data. Then once that data comes in again, say from another client, uh, then it would then uh, hash that uh, same block, find that it already has a single copy of that block, and then create a pointer to that so that you're no longer having to keep multiple copies of the same same data you're only keeping one copy of the data and then you're uh, creating multiple uh, pointers to it the easiest example would be if you created a um, uh, in in windows 99% of a core os of windows is going to be completely identical you're going to have the same binaries uh, and so you don't need to keep 99 copies uh, or you or you don't need to keep uh, one copy for every server you would need one copy with the pointers to those to all that additional data to reduce that data size down. So primarily, it's around storage efficiencies and cost efficiencies, and uh, just saving on the amount of storage that you consume. And um, also, I would assume it's keeping the the cost low uh, on that storage as well. So uh, I, I remember back in the day, you know, dedupe ratios, and there were a lot of conversations around. You know how fast, and especially around recovery. You know how fast you can retrieve something, how fast you can back it up because you're not backing up, let's say, 99 files. You're just backing up one now. Yeah, I don't, I don't have those conversations often now, and it seems that things have shifted. Uh, I was gonna say it, it even goes to even further than that now. Um, so originally the the concept was reduction in space of of uh, data stored 
to save that money so that your your uh, backups uh back in storage it's now actually uh, also advanced to the front end so ddupe uh, processes will actually run on a client system and thereby reducing the amount of bandwidth utilized for backing up that system once it's once it has a copy of that data it it will hash those same date the same blocks send those hash fingerprints back and then it will only transfer over the actual unique data. So now you're no longer having to transmit uh, gigs or terabytes of data from a client system. You could uh, cut that data down to per small percentages of it because most of that data could already be stored. And now you're no longer needing the excessive bandwidth. You're not needing the long backup windows and it just cuts down on the, the overall environmental requirements now. Okay, so a backup administrator today would definitely need to understand what deduplication is, right? I believe so. I think that's, uh, I believe that's uh, part of the core function of most products. So it's going to, uh, if you're familiar with your product, you're probably going to end up running across it once or twice. So yeah, awesome. So also, we we talked about virtual machines. What what are some of the things or some of the best practices around? protecting virtual machines today it really depends on what your needs are uh, the generally uh for virtual machines most of your data is going to be able to be backed up uh directly using the vmware apis for data protection uh, often in, uh, referred to as vadp uh that works great for most of your workloads although there are some uh, workloads that do not respond real well to uh, snapshotting and uh, trying to backup data using those VMware APIs. And you just have to be mindful of that, that type of data and make sure that you're utilizing a, uh, the appropriate clients for that information. Got it. What are some of the issues that, that you can run into if you're not backing up virtual machines the way that they should be backed up? Because the way I understand it, there are different ways you can back up a virtual machine, but what's the correct way to do it? Well, assuming that your workload supports it, uh, it's best to just go ahead and back it up using VADP. If you uh, have a particular product that is overly sensitive to latency, uh, in particular like the thaw, uh, the freeze and thaw processes of taking a snapshot uh, in VMware, some examples of those products would be a high-performance uh, active-active uh, Microsoft uh, SQL cluster or some Cisco voice uh uh, server software that runs in VMware. Those kinds of workloads do not respond well to the to the uh, snap and uh, the thaw processes of snapshots. So for those particular systems, you would need to utilize a different solution, such as uh, client-based solutions, or even if uh, some of those products will have a the ability to back up themselves, and you just need to provide them with a workload or a location to dump that data to. Um, but if it if the solution actually supports utilizing VMware snapshots, I would strongly recommend using that because in general, it will speed up uh, both your backup and your recovery times. So for a backup administrator today, truly understanding the snapshot process that happens behind the scenes uh, for VADP and with the, the whole snap and thaw and freeze and all the different things that happen behind the scenes that some of these backup softwares use. Also, what about the difference between like agents uh, running 
on client-based systems versus on uh, not running an agent? Well, in, uh, so as far as uh, a VMware work, uh, a VMware solution will generally not require an agent to be running in order to actually perform those backups, which makes it a lot cleaner. You don't need to set up software on those uh, client systems. If it is, if it's either a physical box or a system that does not support using VMware snapshots, then you're going to have to make sure that you load the correct operating system agent for that, whether it's a, um, a Microsoft um, client to back up your software or to back up your operating system, or whether it's a Linux uh, agent, whatever your solution is. If you cannot support VMware snapshots due to either the software or due to the system being a physical box, then you will still need to rely on agents to, to back up that data. Okay. Makes sense to me. And earlier you mentioned something around Cisco voice. What's what's so challenging with backing up that that type of data? Uh, many of the Cisco voice uh, software applications that run inside of a virtual environment have such high um, requirements and such uh, uh, low levels of tolerance to any kind of jitter or lag that merely the operation of taking a snapshot and then th- and then removing the snapshot. Uh, uh, from each system can actually cause enough of a uh, interference between the uh, op- between these systems that I've actually seen it, it cause disturbances to phone systems and potentially even uh, bringing a phone system down. Okay, and I, I guess a, a phone system would be a critical app. I guess it depends on you know what industry that particular application is running in, whether it's healthcare or. Maybe healthcare will probably be the, the the most critical one because you need to get in touch with someone, right? Well, I would say healthcare. I would say any any kind of uh, business that has a uh, call center operation. So customer service of any kind could be drastically impacted by this if, if the solution does not support the snapshotting and you still continue to try and use it. It could uh, potentially uh, bring down your call center for any length of time, and that's... Uh, uh, going to be uh, drastic money coming out of your budget. Yeah. So a- as a backup and recovery administrator or engineer, I-, I would say that it's it's super keen and critical to understand the applications uh, in your environment and to prioritize which ones are more important and which ones are critical to the business. That is a great skill set to have in a conversation to sit down with the business to prioritize what those applications, what those critical applications are. Um, And it also brings me to two terms that are kind of old, but they're still used today, and that's recovery time objective and recovery point objective. Do do you still see those terms used, or are you still using those terms today, Charles? Oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, It's... Uh, most large-scale businesses are going to have uh, agreements both with uh, service providers as well as, uh, de- depending on how your organization is set up internally, where you will have different um, recovery point objectives and recovery time objectives, or RPOs and RTOs, as they're also referred to as. So they really apply to service recoverability and uh, business continuity. So that's where you tend to f- run into those terms m- more often going to be an important part for any kind of disaster to be able to, you know, how much data are you going to lose and how, and then how long will it take for you to actually 
uh, get back up and running with that with that amount of data loss. Business continuity, and that goes hand in hand with disaster recovery. Do you do you see disaster recovery becoming more automated, or is it still kind of a hands on physical thing where you you know prioritize checking out the tapes and shipping tapes off site, et cetera, and all that all of that manual effort? It's just, there is still a, quite a bit of manual effort involved, but when we're talking about uh, recovering thousands of servers at a time, then uh, there is a high level of automation. But even as the um, amount of automation scales up, you know, with the increased number of servers, it, it still seems like the amount of hands-on still feels like it's proportional just because even though you're dealing with more automation, you're still dealing with more data. So it still, it still feels like the, you're still keeping the same amount of uh, work in when it comes to doing a disaster recovery or business continuity. Yeah. And I would say, you know, just sitting down with the application owner and the business to truly understand those critical applications and understand, you know, how much downtime can you afford and also test, test out the recovery to make sure that you can recover that data or that system or that application within that time frame, right? Oh yeah, there's a uh, absolutely there's there's a uh, old joke in the backup in, uh, world. It's uh, uh, you've heard of Schrodinger's dog. Well, there's uh, in the backup world, it's referred to as Schrodinger's backup, which is every backup is assumed to be good until it's tested, and at that point, uh, you find out whether it's actually good or not. Yeah, I've I've heard a, a variation of that before, and. Uh, because I haven't been a backup administrator for maybe over 10 years now, a decade. So I'm kind of old here, Charles, and feeling older every day because things have changed a lot and a lot of emphasis is placed on public cloud. Uh, what would you say, I guess, the number one skill set a backup administrator should have when it deals with public cloud? That's a hard question to answer. I mean, it really, I think it depends on what your workloads are. I mean, if you're going to be dealing with uh, systems that you can do active active, then, you know, you need to make sure that you know that you're familiar with the uh, replication involved into the public cloud. If you're dealing with um, just backing up into a public cloud, then, you know, you've got to be able to know how to spin up your solution, whether you're going to re recover into the cloud or whether you're going to, you're only getting your sending your data off to cloud for protection purposes. If you're sending it off, then you've got to know how to be able to bring it back on site from a from a large scale disaster as well. So it's um, that's kind of a loaded question right there. Oh yeah, I, I love asking loaded questions and uh, <laughs> uh, just you know trying to trying to get an answer to you know see something from a different perspective is is typically how you know technology is changing so fast so there are a lot of things that you know you have to learn and and brush up on and study because you know just from a public cloud perspective uh AWS Microsoft Azure and and Google Cloud those are all worlds within themselves and there's a lot of learning um that that one could do just by you know going deep into any one of those um those uh, public cloud uh, vendors. Absolutely. And uh, now 
when it comes down to it, uh, once you learn the fundamentals of one solution, and I, I, I say the same thing when it comes to backup products, once you learn the fundamentals of one, you basically will start to understand the fundamentals of all because they all do the same thing. They just may do it a little bit differently. So what, I think having a baseline primer and understanding of what you're dealing with, uh, uh, whether you know it's, whether you're cloud bursting, whether you're doing virtualization in the cloud, uh, once you understand the the basics, it doesn't matter whether you're on a- Amazon, whether you're on Google, or whether you're on Microsoft, you're going to understand the basic concepts. You're just going to need to tweak it to that solution or to that particular solution's uh, uh, different terminology and methodologies. Yeah, I just thought of something too. Just back on the backup administrator. When you come in in the morning, are you still checking like the missed and failed reports? I remember that was a thing I used to do every day. Is that still a thing or is that all automated and and taken care of for you? We uh, It is absolutely still a thing. We uh, go back and uh, check the uh, uh, reports to uh, look for any kind of uh, failures you know, and address an issue, whether it could be just a simple um, hung client, whether it's a... Um, uh, a system that has been taken down for maintenance and we weren't notified. We try to automate it, and and uh, again, that goes back to um, using uh, more t- technologies such as VMware's backups because then it, it streamlines a lot of that and picks up a lot, of, makes it a lot easier to troubleshoot. But uh, there are uh, uh, definitely reports that we have to go through every day to just kind of check what's going on in our environment, make sure that everything is healthy and operating as expected. So with some of the advanced technology today, is it easier to troubleshoot some of these issues with like a failed backup or a missed backup, or is it uh, still rather cumbersome where you have to kind of drill down within an error message and go look up that error message to see what it's saying, and then you may have to call support, work with support, and literally you could spend a whole day or multiple days trying to resolve an issue. Is it still that way or, or has it changed? It really depends on what the issue is. Um, about 80% of your issues nowadays, uh, the vendors have documented out everything so well that uh, whether the solution and uh, will tell you directly what the issue is and you can go back and address it directly or whether you can simply just pull up the vendor's online documentation to look for a particular error and it will give you various different steps to resolve it. Um, I always joke with uh, my vendor that um, when I call in uh, an issue for um, a problem, that it's going to be one of two ways. It's either going to be so simple because I've just overlooked what's obviously staring me in the face, um, or it's going to be something so complex that by by that point I end up having to get their development involved. But uh, I, I strongly recommend that, uh, and this the approach that I take with troubleshooting any kind of backup failure is I look back at the uh, my old uh, networking days with uh, dealing with the OSI layer, and I basically start at the bottom of the stack and work my way up until I find where the issue is. So networking is a is a key skill, and that's something I always struggle with trying to remember that seven layer OSI model, and I probably still couldn't recite it. Uh, to this day, I would have to cheat. <laughs> Basically, I look at the bottom where uh, starting off with a uh, physical and then work my way up. And I find that it, uh, it stream, really stream, streamlines the whole troubleshooting process because it gives you a firm methodology to work through. 
So, so you telling me a backup administrator still has to troubleshoot on the network side, or I, I thought they were network guys now that you could just call and say, "Hey, there's an issue. It's not connecting. Can you fix it for me?" How to say this uh, politely? Um, <laughs> you will always have to convince the network administrator that it's actually the uh, a network related issue before you will get them to admit that it's a network related issue. Okay, so things haven't changed that much then if if you still have to convince the network guy because they always point the finger back over to the backup guy to say hey it's not on my end dude it's it's definitely something wrong with your with your system it happens more often than not Uh, now as you're as you work more closely with your network guy you'll find that he he will learn to trust your opinion more and You'll learn to uh, trust him a little bit more, and it, it'll it'll get smoother, but it, it'll still happen. Okay, and maybe one or two more questions before we begin to wrap up. Uh, what type of storage skill sets would a, a backup administrator need today? Um, you're going to need to be able to uh, look at uh, performance tuning, uh, looking at uh, IOPS and um, throughput, uh And then if you are going to be managing your own storage, whether it being a dedicated array like an Isilon or whether you use some sort of hyper-converged solution like um, Hadoop or any other uh, solution, uh, you're going to end up needing a – you're going to end up needing to know what kind of uh, tools you're going to work with for those kinds of um, solutions, whether – uh, if, if you manage your own arrays and you need to know how to how to actually um, set up and configure the entire array, if you're just going to be presented with storage, then you still need to be able to, to know how to performance tune. That way you can identify when you're running into a bottleneck somewhere. And is NAS, network attached storage, is that still a big thing now? Oh, absolutely. Um, a lot of times whenever you use a scaled out uh, form of uh, shared storage for your backup environment so that you can have multiple uh backup servers to be able to access data for um, uh, redundancy purposes, you end up needing to have some sort, uh, usually it's a NAS storage uh, for that, uh, so that all the systems can access it without having to replicate everything back and forth. And even, uh, it's even gotten to the point where some vendor products will even use uh, access to NAS storage to uh, for those uh, VMware API protocols as well. And so, so VAD, VADP, you said VADP protocols? VADP, uh, VMware APIs for data protection. Okay, and um, I guess those are different methods, right, of connecting in? Is that is that what it is? Correct. Uh, so VMware officially presents uh, data protection APIs in, in four methods. You have um, NBD and and then NBD SSL are two of those consider uh, two of those methods, which are where you will have a backup server that will speak to vCenter. It'll go ahead and gather its list of whatever machines it it, it needs to back up. It then will tell vCenter to snapshot uh, a certain number of machines. Once it's got a confirmation that it takes a snapshot, it will then contact the ESXi hosts over the uh, VM kernel port and then uh, request the uh, data be transferred over um, to uh, the backup server uh, from that VM kernel port. So the difference between MBD and MBD SSL is SSL actually encrypts the transport as well. Uh, other solutions you have are hot add where 
you will have a virtual machine working as a proxy inside of your virtual environment. And whenever you uh, take a, or when your backup solution takes a snapshot or has vCenter take the snapshot, it will then take the virtual disks from whatever system you're trying to back up and it actually will mount a uh, link to the uh, to those virtual disks and read that data into the backup solution, thereby allowing it to actually access the disks directly on the um, or in the environment. And then the last method is um, sand transport. And in that environment or in that methodology, your system will uh, perform the snapshot, and then once it's done it then needs to have some sort of block level access to the storage in the back end where your uh, virtual machines are being stored. And it then bypasses the network altogether, trans transporting it over the, uh, the SAN, whether it be fiber channel over IP or whether it's regular fiber channel, whatever your solution is, and then transports it that way. Um, each method has a pro has its own pros and cons, but those are the four officially supported methods from uh, from VMware. Wow, look at that, Charles! You you just gave the data protection gumbo listeners a a lesson um, in all things backup, especially seeing it from the eyes of a backup administrator. Um, one last question: What advice would you give to a new college graduate? that wants to be a backup and recovery specialist or administrator? Um, the best advice I could give to a, uh, to a graduate is uh, probably to take whatever solution you're going to want to uh, familiarize yourself with and get a uh, small virtual machine somewhere, load it up, and, uh, and play with it. Take a look at the, uh, how the product operates, read the documentation, and go from there. And then, as I said, once you learn one solution, you'll have a fundamental knowledge for for almost any product out there. So um, there are multiple um, books out there for data protection. Um, I don't have a any that I would uh, uh, be able to name right off the top of my head, but there are uh, many solutions out there. And uh, I find that there are many resources, both uh, as uh, bloggers, as well as podcasts and uh, on Twitter or other social media platforms where you can find uh, different support groups. Get in there, ask questions, and uh, find someone that uh, you know will be a mentor for you. All right, Charles, sounds like you are putting yourself out there to be a mentor. Sure, reach out to me. I'm more than happy to answer questions and uh, help out where I can. All right, Charles. Well, thank you for sharing your insight and knowledge on some of the tips to enhance your backup skill set. I truly appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. It's nice being here. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search backup and recovery professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.